me just ask you this question. What is my mission? You ever thought about that? What is my mission? If you were to think about that right now, just stop for a minute. And if somebody were to come up and ask you, hey, what's your mission in life? What what is it you're trying to do? What would be your response? Now, what if I added a couple of words to that and I said, what is your mission as a follower of Jesus Christ? What is your mission as a Christian? And you don't have to answer this out loud, but just think, did your answers change? Because sometimes we, we get caught up in that we're defined, we, we define who we are sometimes by what we do. Um, and, and that's not necessarily a good thing. There are times in our lives that what we do maybe to make money or what we do to survive or what we do as a job lines right up with our missions. And there's sometimes that in life that we just have to do things to get by to support the mission that God really has us on. Amen? I mean, we've got that. Sometimes there's a difference in those two things. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be very clear that our mission is to be a light in a dark place. That's why God has us here, to be a light in a dark place. We shouldn't be surprised when darkness shows up or when darkness is around us because God's word is very clear that this world is broken and this world is in need of a Savior. Those of you who have given your life to Christ, who acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, who professed faith in him and who strive to live following his word, understand that once you were broken and sinful, though we still struggle with sin, that sin is now forgiven and we are in need of a Savior because we're broken. And the world around us is broken. So our mission as a follower of Jesus Christ is to take light to a dark world. It's to share the gospel of hope and peace to those around us who are despairing and who are frustrated and who are full of anxiety because of the way that either their personal world is going or how they're interpreting the actions and the the things that are happening in this world. We are supposed to be ambassadors of peace, not feeding into the chaos. There's something that happens when you have a faith in Christ that helps us to be people of light in a dark place. And the greatest thing that we can ever do for this entire world is to share our faith with someone else. We think it might be some grand scheme that we need to do something on a grand scale, but the greatest thing that you could possibly do is to be able to share the hope of Jesus Christ with one other person at a time. I've said this before. One of the things, okay, just to give you guys some context. I have been doing this or something similar to this since I was 16 years old. I'm now well past 16. People go, you tell them how old you are. I'm 49, okay. Got the big 5-0 coming up next year. All right. So I've been doing this a long time. And there's something about this particular setup that I don't like. And that's that this is a one-way conversation right now. I can say whatever I want. I may say something, I may have already said something that you've tuned me out. You know, I just don't agree with that guy, guy's dumb. When's lunch? Okay, is he going to be done here so far? I don't like that because we don't get to dialogue. And so I just encourage you, dialogue with me. If there's something that's going on that you go, I I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying. We can dialogue about that. But the same thing is true. The greatest way to be able to share your faith with someone else is dialogue. It's, it's to be able to, to just be able to talk and share life together. And so that's one of the things I don't like about the way we have church set up. There's not a better way to do it that I can figure out. I'm just telling you, understand that I would love to 
to see some feedback. But that's why we gather together so that then we can go out and be a light to those around us. You heard what was said in that video. In a 10-mile radius of where we're sitting right now, and even if you're watching from home, in a 10-mile radius of where you're sitting, if you're sitting in Parker County, I don't know about if you're not sitting in Parker County, but there's 12,000 people around you that have no idea of the hope Jesus Christ can bring. They don't know about that. So our mission should be that we're to be a light to them. And that should not change. No matter what our job is, no matter what our hobbies are, no matter what our activity is, no matter our age or stage of life, no matter the season that we go through, our mission should never change is that we're to be a light in a dark place. And so one of the greatest things that we can ever do for people is to introduce them to the person that can change their life. I want to show you this story in Luke chapter 5. It's one of my favorite stories of people doing that because I think there's just a lot in it. First of all, that'll make you go, how did that happen? And second of all, I think that would encourage you to go, okay, I can do this. In Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17, it says this. One of those days while he was teaching, he being Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. And pay attention to verse 20. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you have your Bible with you, you can underline that. If you want to highlight that, if you got it on the eye, whatever, um, you can highlight that. We're going to come back to verse 20 for just a second. In verse 21, he says, Then the scribes and Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who's this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Get up and walk? But so that, you know, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. And immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. You know, what an awesome story. There's a lot of things going on, but let's, can we just deal with some of the obvious things that when I read it, I go, what's, what's, what's going on? First of all, these guys walk up with a stretcher and people won't let them in. What's up with that? I'm like, excuse me, we're trying to get to Jesus. No, man, I'm watching. Well, but we're trying to do this for him. I don't care. I mean, it's like, whoa, okay. All these people are gathering. Why couldn't they get this guy in? Why, why wouldn't people just let him in? I, I don't know, but they, they wouldn't do that. So then... They go up on the roof and tear a hole in the roof and lay them down. Now, if I'm the homeowner, I'm like going, whoa, 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 what's going on now? I mean, this has just, just gotten out of hand at my house. Now I've got a big hole in the roof, and now this guy's coming down here. I mean, just imagine all the things that are going on. If you're the paralyzed man, I, I'm, and I'm not trying to make light of anything. I'm just going like, no, dude, we're good. We'll try again later. No, no, hey, hold on. No, we'll try again. No, we're, we're good. But these guys were determined, like, no, we're going to get you to Jesus. No matter what, we're going to get you there. And I love, I pointed out verse 20, because I want you to pay attention to this. The words there say this, seeing their faith, he said, friend, 
your sins are forgiven. Do you see what that says? It doesn't say seeing the faith of the paralyzed man. It says seeing their faith. Whose faith? Whose faith affected change in the life of the paralyzed man? It was the friends. It was those who were determined to get this person to Jesus. They weren't going to let anything stand in their way. They were going to find a way to get him to Jesus. So if you will, just picture it. Jesus is teaching. There's a large crowd gathered around. There's people who are trying to get in to see him. They're trying to bring this man in for healing. They can't get in. They go up to the roof. They tear a hole in the roof. He comes down before, and I'm sure that while dust is falling down on the roof and things are going nuts, everything just kind of stops, and Jesus watches this whole thing unfold, and everybody else is watching this whole thing unfold. They lower this guy down, and he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks, and he kind of takes it all in. He looks at the crowd, he looks at this person, and then he looks at those men who brought their friend in because of their faith. He did something in this man's life. Don't ever forget that your faith matters. Your prayer matters. Your words matter. Your actions matter. Things that you do can change someone else's Life. These men were determined to get this person to the one person who could actually do something in his life. You see, it's not just about believing that Jesus could do it. They had to actually take action on it as well, right? They didn't just go, hey, Jesus is in town. I bet he'd be really good for you to hear. Wish you could get there. He didn't do that. They had to take action and get him there. And they ran into obstacles along the way. They ran into difficulties, and they still didn't let it stop. They found a way. And I think there's so many things in this story that we can learn from today. Let's look at a few of them. First thing is we have to live out God's word. It's more than just believing it. We have to put action to it. Action to it matters. And so that's why at the top, as we're going to kind of frame this whole thing under these words, as I live out God's word, and then we're going to talk about some things. Well, what does it mean to live out God's word? You see, I just hope that you understand that it's not simply believing in Jesus that leads to the life that he has for you. It's when you actually start to put into practice God's word and you actually start to act on it and do things with it. God's word directs our life. And, and just hear me, it's not the other way around. Sometimes we, we spend a lot of time, and hear me on this, sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to fit God's word or God into our life. And the reason that doesn't work is because that's backwards. We're supposed to be spending our time trying to figure out how we conform to God's word, not how God's word conforms to our opinions. And that's where we begin to find life. And so it's about living God's word out. When God's word shows me something that I'm supposed to do, I, I do it. I start trying to do those things. That's what it is. And then when we begin to do that, here's some truths that, that happen in our life. First thing is this. As, as I live out God's word, the first thing you need to know is I can believe God. I can believe God. Now, that may be the most Captain Obvious statement of this morning for someone to say in church. But here's what you need to understand. I can believe God. If God's word says it's true, then it's true. If God's word says it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. If God's word says it's best, then it's best. If God's word is instructing me to do it, then I will find life when I do it. 
But we live in such a world that what fights against us so many times is this, this we want things immediately. We want it to change. You know, right before we went into this sermon series, we were in one uh, called Greater Than, and we looked through the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, you get to chapter 11, and chapter 11 might be the most popular, if you will, chapter out of Hebrews. It's called the Hall of Faith. And, and, and in that chapter, the author of Hebrews goes on and on about the faith of those who've gone before in their walk with God. And one of the things he points out is all these people had faith, and many of the people who had faith in God did not see the promises of God come to fruition in their lifetime. Now hear me on that. Many of these people listed in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, died still with faith in God, but not yet seeing the promises of God come to fruition. Their faith was in a person, not in the actions. Our faith should not be affected by our circumstances or the circumstances of the world around us. We have faith that if God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Now, here's the great news for you and me. We live at this part of the timeline when we can look at Hebrews chapter 11, we can go back to the Old Testament, we can read their stories, and we can go, wow, everything that God said was going to happen, happened. Everything. So I can believe God. I can trust God with my life. I can trust God with the things that are going on around me. If God says it, it's true. And it's what's best. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. That's important. If we want to experience the blessings of God, we have to walk the truth of God in our life. It says that God is faithful and loyal and true with those who love him and keep his commands. He's still faithful and loyal and true even if we don't love him and keep his commands. But you just don't experience the blessings of God and the promises of God if you choose to live outside of the word of God. So that's what's very clear in scripture is that I can believe God. I can trust him with my life. My responsibility is to live out his word. If you have been through all kinds of things in your life that have drugged you down. If you're walking through the worst season of your life forever right now, you're going to be struggling inside going, how am I going to get through this? And you're going to be fighting past experiences and what God's word says. And you want things to be healed and you want your heart to be right. And you look at this and you go, God, I see that you're saying that, but I don't feel like doing that. And I don't know that's going to work because I've tried this before and that didn't work. And this person burned me and that thing happened. You're going to have to get to a place where you say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you say to do. And then over time, you will begin to see that God is faithful. And you will see the blessings begin to come to fruition as you live out God's word. Not just believe it, but actually do it. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. He says, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, 
so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So as you're called into that relationship, you live it out and you can believe God because he is faithful. Now here's the next truth. As I live out God's word, I can expect obstacles. I can expect obstacles. And I just want to say, if, if perhaps you came to church or you are finding out about Jesus and maybe no one ever told you that even when you follow Jesus, you're still going to have obstacles, you're still going to have difficulties in your life, and maybe that wasn't what you were expecting, then I just want to tell you today, you can expect obstacles. Walking with Christ doesn't, doesn't change the fact that we live in a broken world. And that my sin caused part of the brokenness in this world. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we can expect that in a broken world that doesn't fully follow God's word, that we're not going to experience everything being great all the time. We're going to expect obstacles. You see, these men, when they were trying to get their, their friend to Jesus, they ran into a lot of obstacles. And they had a lot of choices to make along the way. They could have just given up. They could have just looked at him and went, dude, we really tried. We'll try again tomorrow. They, they did everything that they possibly could to get him there. And then they were just like, okay, now what do we do? And then they found a way to just tear a hole in the roof and get Jesus there. I mean, that's determination. So we need to understand and learn from them that every obstacle that we face in this life puts me at a point of decision. Every time. But hear me on this. If you have put your faith in Christ... The decision for a Christian, the decision for a follower of Christ is not, well, do I trust God? It's, how do I trust God? It's not, okay, this has just rocked my world, and I thought that God was going to change all this, and I thought this was going to go that way, and I thought this would happen, and now I just don't know what to do. And I, No, no, no. It shouldn't ever rattle the foundation that's built in your relationship with God. It should cause you to go, okay, God... I see this circumstance, and I see your word, and I know your word is true, but I don't see how we're getting through this circumstance, and so I have a decision to make. I'm either going to try to take over and drive from here because, okay, God, you got us to here, but I'm going to just take it right here because I don't know that you know what you're doing right now. Or we go, okay, God, I'm going to double down on your word, and I'm going to, I'm going to trust you through this. I expect this obstacle. I have no idea how to get through this obstacle, but we're just going to keep following you in this. God's word is clear that we're going to face these difficulties. Let me show you some. James chapter 1, the half-brother of Jesus, James, writes these words. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Endure the trial, meaning that I still trust God and I walk in faith with God through the trial, and that's where I'm going to see his word come to light in my life. So the question is not why this trial, it's how do I behave in this trial? How do I act in this trial? God, what is your word leading me to do in this trial? <laughs> Peter, and I'm just going to say this with, in a beloved way, the loudmouth disciple Peter, okay, that one. 
This is what he writes in his letter. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. You see the tone in that? Peter's like, don't be surprised when you have difficulties in life. Don't be surprised by these things that happen in the world around us. Don't let it catch you off guard. He says in verse 13, instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. He's saying, look, when you're facing that trial, rejoice, have faith in God. And then as you get through it and the glory of God's revealed, oh, wow, now I can rejoice even more. We can rejoice beyond our circumstances because of the work and the word of Jesus Christ. We can rejoice as followers of Christ beyond the circumstances of the world and our world because of the work and the word of Jesus Christ. And if there's anything that's happening in the world, hope y'all are catching this, that is causing you to lose your joy or to doubt your faith or to not understand that God is still in control, then I would encourage you to rejoice in the word and the work of Jesus Christ and just wait until he gets to work because it's going to be awesome. Here's the other truth. When I'm walking in God's word, when I'm actually doing what his word says, I can anticipate greater things. Now, this is the word I really want you to catch. I can anticipate greater things. And we just had a whole sermon series called Greater Than. And I said it all the time. God is greater than. You can fill in the blank on whatever. God is greater than. God is greater than. And I want you to hear me. And I want you to hear me clearly on this. God is always doing something that is greater than the greatest thing that you could imagine. God is always doing something that is greater than the greatest thing that you can imagine. He's never once been caught off guard by things that are happening in your life or the world around us. God is able to continue to bring people to himself no matter what the enemy does. He's not just one step ahead of the enemy. He's an eternity ahead of the enemy. And God is always at work, even when we can't see it. And just like we're reminded of the faith of those who went before, even though they may not have ever seen God's word come to fruition, God's word did come to fruition. And we need to live with faith like that, that I know that God is always at work doing something greater than the greatest thing that I can imagine. So y'all know I try my best to try to say these things in a positive way in a way that you can put them down and go, I'm going to remember that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. But sometimes it's helpful for us to flip it around <laughs> and look at it perhaps from not the positive way. So I don't want to be negative or sarcastic or anything with this, but I want you to catch this. And my goal here is for you to see the bigness of God at work. Until we realize how small our opinion is compared to the work and the glory of God, we will always struggle with joy and contentment. I did not say your opinion is not important. I did not say your opinion is not valid. 
I did not say your opinion is not real. Let me repeat myself. Until we realize how small our opinion is compared to the work and the glory of God, we are going to struggle with joy and contentment. Because we will only see things through our small, limited view. And when we just look at part of the situation, we can get very frustrated and very anxious about it. But God is always at work doing something that's greater than the greatest thing that you can imagine. Meaning that when things don't work out in my own personal life the way that I wish that they would, I can still have confidence that God is at work doing something greater than what I could have possibly imagined. And I could stand up here for the next 30 minutes and start giving testimonies of losing jobs, blowing out knees, quitting bands, doing, I, you name it, all kinds of stuff that were hard decisions in life that you'd go, man, I just don't know how you got through that. God's always, always doing something greater than the greatest thing that you can imagine. Well, I thought this would be what's best for me, and God goes, no, let me show you something better than that. He's at work doing that in your life. He's at work doing that in the world around you. Luke 5.26 reminds us of that right here in this story as these men thought that what they were going to do is just bring their friend to Jesus and hopefully Jesus would do something for them and it would be this nice thing. When that obstacle came into place, that's what actually became the story. The fact that they couldn't get in. Just imagine, had they been able to come in, you would never know this story. Had the obstacle not been in place, you probably would have never heard. It probably been a footnote and Jesus healed, amen. There were lots of people there that day and Jesus healed, amen. But because of the difficulty, because of the obstacle, now what we get is there were men that were determined to get people to Jesus. They dug a hole in the roof and they put them down. And not only did that man get healed, it says in Luke 5, 26, then everyone was astounded and they were giving glory to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen incredible things today. You see, what they wanted to do was just go and do something for their friend. And when they ran into that obstacle, they very easily could have said, I'm out. We tried, man. We really tried, but nobody would let us in. and we couldn't. But they kept doing that, and they kept working through that obstacle. And because they worked through that obstacle to get their friend to the one person that could actually change their life, then God was glorified to everyone that was there that day. And everyone was astounded. And God was bigger at the end of this to everyone that was there. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter three. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. When we're living out our faith, these are the things that happen. Doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. It means that everything that is happening, God is still at work doing something greater than what you could imagine being the best scenario of that. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week is sometimes we get distracted because we try to do things on such a grand scale and we want to move things, we want to see this shift. But honestly, how do these things happen? Happen one person at a time. Happen one heart at a time. 
44,000 people in Parker County profess to have no religious affiliation. We just mail them all a letter? No. We talk to them. We engage with them. We reach out to them. We love them. We invite them to lunch. We invite them to life. We find a way to shine a light and bring them to the one person that can do something about their situation, which is Jesus Christ. So that's the whole point of this series is we just continue to take these big things and we bring it down to this question, who's my one? Who's my one? Who's the one person that God has laid on your heart that you could possibly make a difference with in their life? Who's one person that you could be a light to this week? We're agents of peace, not people of chaos. We don't need to add to the noise and confusion. We need to be a light shining truth and peace and hope in a place where people need to hear it. Broken families need to know that God loves them and there's a path for them. People who are hurting and struggling need to know that God loves them and there's a path for them. People need to hear the truth of the gospel. Who's my one? Who do I take this to? So here's what we're going to do with this response today. I already responded in the early service. So if you'll take out your, uh, your bookmark there. And if you don't have one, they're at the end still. Um, there's a place over here that you can tear it off. And here's what we're going to encourage you to do. What we're asking people to do is to really live out God's word by doing this, by committing to praying for at least one person that you're going to be intentional about being a light to in their life. Whether that means that you are inviting them to church or you're inviting them to lunch or you're sharing, you're intentionally trying to be a light in their life that will talk to them about the truth and the faith that can happen in Jesus Christ, that they can find life in Christ. And so here's what we're gonna do for our response today. We just want to encourage you along this way. If, if you would be willing to say, hey, I, I want to be in on this. I want to commit to at least one person that I'm the person that's going to talk with them about, being, about what it means to have faith in Christ. And we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks if you're nervous about what to do and things like that. And maybe you don't have one person in particular in your mind right now. But if you're saying, I want to do this, I'm going to take God up on this. I'm going to live out his word. I'm going to have one person that I commit to have this kind of relationship with. Then you tear that card off at the end. And here in just a minute when we're doing our response time, you put your name on the card, not their name. You put your name on it. And here in a moment when we're singing, if you feel so led, just come up here and put that on this board up here. If we run out of space, then just tack it up there with someone else. And then when you come by this board on your way to church or where you're in or out, maybe you just want to pray for some of these people as they're praying for their one. And our staff wants to be praying for you as you are reaching out to your one because that's what this is about. It's about doing whatever it takes to bring people around us to the one person who can really make a difference in their life. And that's Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. There's not one person on this earth, in this country, that can make a difference in anybody else's life like Jesus can. And that's the people we want to bring them to. So if you are committing to do that with us, then here in a moment as we sing, then just as you have time or as you feel led, you just come up here and put that on there. And we're going to continue talking about this in the coming weeks and give you some help in what it means to truly be a light. But as we do this, would you pray with me this morning?